folks in the evenings uh, from now really until Christmas, which isn't terribly long away, uh, we're working our way through Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of fame of faith. Uh, tonight we will look at Genesis 50, sorry, page 44 of the Pew Bible, uh, because in Hebrews 11 verse 22, we're told about Joseph by faith. Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. We read that in Hebrews 11 and perhaps wonder what that's all about. So we get into Genesis 50 uh, and we see what's going on there. So look at that with me if you would. As I've said, page 44 of the Pew Bibles. Uh, the very end of the book of Genesis, uh, Joseph, uh, this great figure in biblical history, is about to go to glory. Uh, and we hear what his uh, hope is as his life comes to an end. So page 44, Genesis 50, verses 22 to 26. We'll read through it twice. And this is the word of God. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived for 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. But God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Let's hear it again. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived for 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Amen. And we thank God tonight for his word. It's always good every summer when Jennifer Ibrahim comes to visit. You will know her as Jennifer Stokes, Jim's sister, our clerk of session. Uh, Jennifer comes and she tells us about the church out in Egypt. Uh, she tells us about how it is growing. She tells us about the challenges out there. Uh, she tells us about how they are men and women of prayer. Uh, she tells us all these things and it excites us and fires us up. Uh, and it is wonderful to hear her and to catch up again and it reminds me of a few years ago when talking to Jennifer and being encouraged and being excited, she said to me, Scott, you must come out to Egypt and visit us. And I got all excited. Because if there's a place on my bucket list of where I would like to go to visit, it's Egypt. I would love to go to Egypt. The history of the place, the, the scale of the pyramids, the Great Sphinx, all the rest of it. I've always wanted to go there. And so my wee heart soared, and I got all excited, and I said to Jennifer, Oh, Jennifer, I would love to. 
I'd love to see the pyramids. I'd love to see the camels and the sphinx and all the rest. And Jennifer, being a godly and gracious woman as she is, said, I meant to visit the church, Scott. Oh, why the church, Jennifer? Aye, aye, uh-huh. And maybe I embarrassed her because she's never invited me since. But, but Jim, I'll send her a wee Christmas card and remind her uh, of that. You must come to visit us. She'll be here next Christmas, so there you are. You must come and visit us in Egypt. I got completely the wrong end of the stick, but who knows, maybe one day I will walk uh, the sand and the pyramids and all the rest of it. Folks, I start there because Genesis ends there. We've heard over the past few weeks about the faith of all these famous individuals in the book of Genesis, perhaps There's none more famous than Joseph uh, in this book. And where is he by the time we meet him at the end of this great book in chapter 50, verse 22? He is remaining in Egypt. He's still there, surrounded by the pyramids. And I was doing my maths this week and trying to figure it out. And certainly the grand pyramid that we have seen and talked about already, it would have been there in place in Joseph's day. There he was He and his father's house, they have children. He sees his brothers, uh, children of the third generation growing up. He he sees his family develop, but he is remaining in Egypt. He's remaining in Egypt, and that is not where Joseph wants to be. As the passage goes on, we, we see that, and we will touch on that later on, but Joseph is still in Egypt. And you might think to yourself, well, Scott, what is the problem there? Because Egypt, as you well know yourself, is a good spot to be in. Well, the problem is, as we heard at the beginning of our worship service, God had promised these people that he would take them one day to a land of their own. God had promised them that they wouldn't be in Egypt, they wouldn't be wandering about. One day they would go to be somewhere that he was giving to them. And so here is Joseph, here is this man, at 110 years old. And he is not going to get to see the fulfillment of that promise. He is not going to see the day that he gets to return home. Friends, as we begin there, maybe you know what it is to be like Joseph. Because as men and women of faith, we know the promises of God. As men and women of faith, we know when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But for a long time now, you have felt left and you have felt forsaken. You know the promises of God say that that his word does not return on to him void. It accomplishes the thing that he has purposed for it. But, But your son, who is not a Christian, you've prayed for him, you've shared that word, and it seems that the word just keeps on returning void. And we've mentioned prayer. Prayer for many of us is a difficult thing, but... But in one way, you are faithful. And you know that way, without getting up tonight and sharing it publicly, you know that every single day you pray for that thing, that person, that issue. And yet for a long time now, it seems that God does not listen. Perhaps in your sinful moments, you think that he does not care. And you have yet to see the fulfillment of that promise. Joseph's in that place. He's in Egypt. He's not in the promised land. He has not got to go home. He is living his life and seeing his family growing up and and ultimately coming to the end of his life in Egypt. 
And it speaks to us, doesn't it, of what it is to be human. It speaks of the frustration at times that there is in life. I traveled up to Larne uh, on Friday. Uh, I'm telling you straight, it was to see a friend that wasn't to go up the road and to check out John's new house uh, and to see if I could get a key cut for his front door. It wasn't to do that at all. It was to meet a friend. He's in his 40s. I'm starting out in my 40s. And we had a bit of food together in a wee place in Larne. And then we spent about an hour just whinging, complaining, and gurning about our families, our children, our, our frustrations, our worries, our doubts. We were two old men. And as I was driving home and looking myself in the, uh, the mirror, I was thinking, Scott, what has happened to you? When did you lose that youthful enthusiasm and excitement? You could take on the world and, and everything was going to change. What's happened to you? And then I got over myself because I remembered I'm handsome and I'm six foot two and lovely beard, a wee bit of grey in it, and very like George Clooney. I got over it, but for that moment, I felt the weight of worry and frustration and disappointment. I'm sure you've been there, folks. I'm sure many of us have had that from time to time. Life wasn't meant to be like this. And the promises of God that, that you've believed and still cling on to tonight, well, for some reason, they, they haven't come true. And you're in Egypt. And you'd much rather be in the promised land. But folks, as we look at this passage tonight, and as we consider this man called Joseph, who in his final days, as we've read in Hebrews 11, spoke of the Exodus and was a man of faith, we, we can be encouraged tonight. We can be encouraged in Genesis 50 because I said, and I do not mean it as patronizing, but God's promises are being fulfilled. God's promises are being fulfilled. God's promises will be fulfilled. We, we don't see it, we don't feel it, we don't maybe believe it, but it is true. My friend and I on Friday talked about that and, and talked about how we say those things and sometimes we, we just let them trip out of our mouths and they just seem so empty, but they are true. At the heart of it, it's true. Our God can be trusted. And Genesis is a wonderful book. It is the book of beginnings. It's called Genesis for that purpose. We have witnessed in this book the beginning of everything in the universe. We've witnessed in this book the beginning and indeed the end of the covenant of works where, where Adam and all who came after him uh, were promised life and prosperity, uh, prosperity upon condition of perfect and personal obedience. The covenant of works starts and ends in the garden. We've witnessed the beginning of humanity and the fall of humanity. We've witnessed the beginning of the rebellion and sin that still blights this world to this day. But we have also witnessed in this book the covenant of grace. It was that covenant that we began our service with tonight that God says, I will be your God. I will be your God. I will be your God, he says. I will be your God. On what basis? Faith. Faith, not works. Not an obedience that is rarely anything close to being perfect. Not any of those things. It is by faith that we have been saved. Joseph knows the reality of that. In Hebrews 11, he is described as a man of faith. And certainly the promises in his lifetime 
had not been fulfilled, but it had not impacted upon his faith. The impact of the covenant of works being broken was seen in the fact that this man was about to die. Death enters in after the fall. We see that throughout Genesis. Joseph is about to go the way all of us will, about to leave this earthly place, but he goes in faith, trusting in the Savior who is going to come. Maybe not in his life, maybe not in his sight, but he believed. One day the promises of God are going to be fulfilled. And and so when he believes that and when he is confident of that, what is his cry? He says in verse 24, I am about to die, but God will visit you. And he will bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Confident words from an old man on his deathbed, I'm going to die, but God will visit you. He will take you to the land. He will keep his promise. And in verse 25, he makes them swear, saying, God will surely visit you. And what does Joseph want? He wants them to carry up his bones. Take my bones from Egypt to the place that God has promised. And I'm glad we... Don't make statements like that anymore. I'm glad none of you have ever said to me, Scott, if I go in the next couple of weeks, I I want you to take my bones and put them on some mantelpiece in East Belfast. None of us do that anymore. But Joseph did it. Joseph didn't want to stay in a place that was temporary. He wanted to go to the place that God had promised, the place that God had prepared. And folks, that is the rock-solid confidence And faith that I hope when my day comes will characterize my life. See, it was a faith that didn't see the substance in his lifetime. Indeed, as we realize from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 17, Paul says that the law came 430 years after the promise. The law came 430 years after the promise. So it would be 430 odd years before the promise to Abraham would be fulfilled, before the exodus, before all of this grand story would continue. And folks, we cannot imagine a time scale like that, can we? When I pray, I want the answers now. When I want someone to be saved, I want it to happen now. When I am downhearted and and struggling to believe the promises of God, I think, "Well, well, the Lord needs to do something about this right now. And you read a story like this and you you realize the scale sometimes of how God works out his plan and his purpose. And it's amazing. Folks, we cannot imagine what life will be like in 430 years. We can barely imagine what it was like 430 years ago. And yet this is the time scale. This is the period of time And yet it does not rock Joseph's faith. He dies in faith. He dies and says, God is going to do a work. God is going to visit. God will do this. He will will come and he will take us to this land. Carry my bones with you. And 430 years later, they do exactly that. They remember the promise. They remember this grand man of faith, this statement. And, And Moses and the others in the grand exodus, they take Joseph's bones with them. We read in verse 26, Joseph died at 110 years old and he was embalmed and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. 
And the Egyptians were excellent at keeping their bodies and keeping their coffins secure. We see that to this very day. And so by the time the Exodus comes, we read in Exodus 13 and verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Faith. Faith trusts in the promises of God, and faith understands that the answers are not always in our time scale. Folks, today we know that much has happened since the days of Joseph. We are men and women who have the full revelation of God's word and we understand that Christ, the substance of the covenant of grace, has come. He has died on the cross. He has been raised again from the dead. We live in a period of time that is waiting for his return. And yet it is as hard today as it was in Joseph's day to to have that faith that will not shrink. We look at our families and we look at our lives and we We look at the weakness, it seems, of the church of Jesus Christ. And we look at the state of our nation. And and we look at the the sin that constantly blights us. And and we we examine all of these things and we think, Lord, where are you? Where are you? It's 2,000 years since the coming of Christ. And still we wait for his return. It seems to have always been this way in the Christian church. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, living just a few years after Christ's departure, his ascension up to the right hand of the Father. And even in those days, these believers were struggling to to hold on. They, They wondered, where is Jesus? Where is his return? My granny has died and and he's not here. My, my brother's not well, and, and, and he's not here. Where is Jesus? And Paul says, don't be uninformed. Don't be uninformed. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and even so, through Jesus, God will bring with those who, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Faith. Trust, my brothers and sisters. Joseph trusts. The Thessalonians called to trust. Eden Grove in 2019 called to trust to exercise this faith that knows whom we have believed and knows that he is faithful but but also sometimes is a little bit small because we think, Lord, where are you in this? Where are you in all of this? This is hard. The endless trips to hospital, Lord, this is hard. The death of my mother that I haven't got over, Lord, this is hard. My children, my children facing a world like this, Father, this is hard. Where are you, Lord? Where are you? Folks, the answer to that question, as we wait for the fulfillment of the promise of God, the answer to that question is, where is he? He is on the throne. And I know that sounds like a pat Christian answer. Christ is on the throne. Be courageous, brother and sister. I know it sounds like that, but it is true. You see, tonight the kingdom of God is here. It is the Westminster Confession that tells us this about the church. The visible church, that's us here tonight. 
which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, which means not confined to one nation as before under the law, this church consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children. We you hear what the Westminster Divine said about the church. It is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and the family of God, out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. Lord, where are you? He is here with his people. He is reigning. He is governing. He is protecting. A man called Scott Clark puts it this way. You and I, we are in the period described in the book of Revelation between the ascension of Christ and his bodily glorious return. He is ruling the nations with a rod of iron. He is accomplishing his purposes. He is putting the nations under his feet. Christ is Lord now. And we are not waiting for him to become Lord. We are, however, waiting, waiting for his bodily glorious return, for the judgment and for the consummation of all things. This is where we are tonight. And I know as I, as I say it, it maybe doesn't help too much the difficulties you face, the blackness, the depression that rests upon you, the worries that you've got. Perhaps it, it doesn't shake you from that, but I hope it will soon as you listen to this word and reflect on it later on tonight over a cup of coffee and as the Spirit continues to apply it into your life. I, I hope you realize where is God? He is reigning. And where is his kingdom? It's here. It's here. It's us. The church of Jesus Christ. And yes, we don't see here grand fulfillment. Sure we don't. I was thinking this week about how many people I have seen saved over the years that I've preached. And you know, I don't know how many. I'm not one of these guys that, that counts every one and is able to say, oh, 38 last Sunday, brother, and all the rest of it. I've never really thought that it's much of my business to inquire Salvation belongs to the Lord and he gives the increase, but I've been thinking about it and, and I've realized I have not lived in days of grand revival. We John is about to go up the road to Glen Arm and, and I wasn't there on the night he was interviewed, but, but it often strikes me that when young men are interviewed for the ministry in certain churches, it's like, you know, oh, this guy's going to change the world. I bet you if you're in some old doll's house tonight in Glen Arm, she's already got a picture of John on her mantelpiece, guaranteed. Oh, we've been waiting. And the son of Drocket had to come. Our prophecy was delivered 170. You know, that's what it's like, isn't it? And here I am, 11 years on, and I think I'm creaking at the seats. The seats are empty. We have not seen revival. Lord, where are you? I'm here, he says. I am reigning. My kingdom is here, and yet at the same time, it has not yet come in fullness, but it is coming. You can trust me. I am here. Joseph knew that. He knew that he has not seen the fulfillment. He knew that his dying breath would be in Egypt and not home. And yet he says to these individuals, 
take me with you. The Lord will visit. The Lord will come, and when that day comes, dig up my eye bones and take them with you. Imagine that confidence. Imagine that. And some of you will see it in, in deathbed. Some of you will see it from, from your relatives and your friends, and you're standing around a, a bed, and you're crying your eyes out, and your eye granny, your eye grandma will say, don't cry, I'm, I'm going to a better place. And again, it sounds so Christian and pat answer, but it's true. And they get it, don't they? They get it. They, they know that they are moments away from glory. Moments away from seeing Jesus. Folks, I don't know how many moments we've got left. And I don't know how many more years you and I will be here like this. But I know that the Lord has promised. And I know that the Lord is faithful. I know that the Lord has promised and that the Lord is working out those promises. And Joseph doesn't do this, folks, out of sentiment. He doesn't get them to, to take his bones to the promised land just because, you know, he's paid into a church and he's got a wee spot in the graveyard. It's not that. I remember preaching years ago in a place called Clonanese, down the middle of nowhere. And there's upper and there's lower Clonanese, and they're about 20 meters apart. You know, and I was there early one night, and I was walking around their graveyard. That's not strange at all. See, when you're a minister, you walk around lots of graveyards, and as you walk into, I think Lower Clonanese, there's this massive big uh, gravestone sitting here, and it's got everybody on it from this wee family. And one of the ones that struck me was was a son who had gone to America to make a fortune for himself. This whole story is told in this gravestone. And it says that he died in Philadelphia, that his body was still there, but his mother got his name on the family gravestone so that he wouldn't be forgotten. It's like a history book, this giant big thing in this wee graveyard down Perone, maybe, somewhere. But folks, that's not sentiment, is it? That's a mother's love. That's a mother not forgetting the one she loves. And so in the same way, Joseph doesn't want to be buried in a nicer plot somewhere else just for the sake of it. But Joseph remembers who his God is, and Joseph remembers that his God keeps his promise, and Joseph remembers that God has said, I will be your God. My people, I love you. Not sentiment but utter belief in the promises of God. And so that's what happens. We've said that. Moses gets the bones. Moses takes them with him. Joshua 24, 32, we read, As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem, in the place of piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. comes true. It happens. And the faith of this man, Joseph, is realized 400 odd years later. But folks, tonight, I have no bones to show you. We are of the Reformed tradition, so I don't find a chicken bone lying there under the kitchen table and claim that it is the finger of St. Peter or something like that. I have nothing like that. I have no relics to show you tonight. But what I can point you to 
And what I can cause you to remember are the bones of Christ. They are not broken, as we know. They are not left in the tomb, as we know. His body does not see corruption, as we know. And so where is Jesus tonight? Where is that man, that God-man, the flesh and blood, where is he? At the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Us, you and me, who are really struggling to believe. You and me who are weary in this world. You and me who are saying, Father, don't leave me anymore in Egypt. Where is Jesus? At the right hand. And who is he for? Us. It was Peter's sermon in Acts 2 that reminds us of exactly this. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, and being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. David looked forward. Joseph looked forward. Men and women of faith tonight in Eden Grove look forward to the day we get to go home. But until then, we trust. God's promises may not seem to be fulfilled in our sight in the days to come. Nor may his promises seem to be fulfilled even in our lifetime. But my brothers and sisters, we can be sure of this. With our dying breath of faith, may every one of us remain confident that the Lord is working out his purpose. The promises of God are being fulfilled. The promises of God are being fulfilled. The promises of God are being fulfilled. Because my Savior is alive and well and coming back. He will not leave us in the grave, nor will he leave us in Egypt. But tonight our response is come quickly, Lord. Come quickly. Amen. And we thank God tonight for his word.